Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Josh Lindsay from the Movie Proposal Podcast, and with me is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hello, everybody. Hello, Christian. And sitting next to Christian is our trusty, dusty, research extraordinaire, button-pushing guy, Jason Rugg. Hey there. Hey there. Hey, Jason. So we, <laughs> our intention... And the last podcast was to cover three different screenings you recently had. We only got through one. It was a big one, the Branson one. It was one. a big one. Um, so we want to ca- talk about two, at least two more screenings. You were on different coasts. One was in Florida and one was in California. Yeah. Which, which one do you want to talk about first? So let's talk about the villages. Um, because after we left Branson, we drove to Chicago. Then the next morning, we or I think we may have had a day off, and then the next day we flew to the Villages, Florida. And Karen Carbonaro of uh, the Puck Puggy chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution. Say that one more time. Puck Puggy <laughs> chapter of the Daughters of the American Puck Revolution. Puggy? Yeah. Um, the DAR. You know, most people today don't even know what the DAR is. Do Daughters you, Jason? of... The daughter's revolution. Of, yes. Yeah. He didn't know. Uh, no, no, no. My, my grandmother's in it. So that's, well, that's that, pretty I was amazing. D A R? Yes. That, daughters of the American Revolution. My like, son had oh, to ask me. O in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there should be. But, yeah. you know, D A R. Threw me off. I used to have to write a D A R article when I was a little girl every year, which oh. uh, I, I think they sponsored it. And if you were chosen, you got an award or something. But it's a very exclusive group if you think about it, because mm-hmm. you have to prove your lineage that you had a um, paternal connection to the American Revolution. So anyway, this um, this woman, Karen Carbonaro, wanted us to come and, um, and present a screening during the Veterans Week, which of course we couldn't do because we were in Branson. So we came the soonest possible time that we could. And because Danny and Flo were with me, they came too. All right. Which was great because they got to see Branson, Missouri. <laughs> And now we're in the Villages, Florida, which is right above Orlando. And it is a totally different world, totally different group of people. In Branson, it's very, um, you know, veterans from all over the world, but usually many of them are from the more rural places. And then we were in the Villages, and it's a upper-scale retirement community that's kind of a planned community. Many times people call it the Walt Disney World of Retirement, which it <laughs> seems to be. They all drive around in little golf carts, and in each village there is a gazebo with a band, and everybody dances at night, and it's... There's fireworks. <laughs> and you and a light show, there. you know, through their water. Anyway, yeah, the boat so... Parade. Right, the boat parade. So they were, uh, they did get quite an education. uh, And we had two screenings in the villages. Um, Both of them, I think there were about 150, there were about 200 people at each. One was an evening one, one was a matinee. And once again, uh, they were overwhelmed by the people that came. Um, I was so excited that we had a large group of podcast list, Holy Post podcast listeners there, and several of them children. So that was it's super exciting. But I think the thing that stands out to me in that screening is that we did have two veterans that were with us. I don't know if people remember me mentioning Dan Bonanzio, but do you mm-hmm. remember when I, the two brothers that I did a FaceTime call with when I was in New York? Right. Well, this was the first right. brother that I met who lived in the villages. He came to one of our oh. screenings. 
And then um, Irving Locker, who I don't know if you remember the president's State of the Union address, but he was the veteran that stood up and oh. waved his arms. Right, right, right. He is just a a whippersnapper and he is uh, he's got all this stuff that he still has from his time in the war and he has more energy than I do and has a better memory than I do he just blows me away he was there as well and then we had some French people that came it was so exciting Uh, I think we had like four different French people who were French and spoke French that came and were so excited to meet Danny and Flo. The most memorable was this gentleman who is in his early 90s. He came and when he saw Danny and Flo, he could not stop weeping just the whole time he was talking to them. And I'm watching this and wondering what's happening. So I go over and it turns out it's a couple, a man and a woman. The woman saw our social media ads. So we bought ads to promote all of these screenings. She saw a social media ad on Facebook, read, went to our website, read about it, and thought, oh my goodness, I have to take my husband there. And it was only a few days before that she discovered it. She told him about it. His story was so compelling. He was in the Army, and in 1946, he was part of the sustainment forces in Paris, His parents had died at a very early age. He met a woman there and married her. Her parents became his parents. He was still very young, and they had children there, and he lived in France for a very long time, and it became his home, really, and his parents became – her parents became his parents. And then I think his wife died, and he moved back to the United States, and I think that was such a painful – Thing for him, particularly because he's not there anymore and he has no connection with France. This new wife that he's been married to, um, you know, brought him, you know, registered the tickets, brought him to the screening because she knew how meaningful it would be. And it just was overwhelming for him and for Danny to meet. So that was super touching. Um, meeting the kids was really touching. The screenings did go well. We had uh, Jack Hamlin showed up in Branson. I didn't tell anybody about this the last week, but Jack Hamlin is one of our veterans. He's the one that is the Coast Guard veteran that saved 50 dying men in the waters off of Utah Beach. And he was there. He showed up. He saw a television interview that we did, (laughs) came to the screening. We surprised Danny. And then that was the first time he'd seen the film. And his daughter actually lived in the villages. So she came to that. It was just the villages was such a special time. And Danny and Flo enjoyed seeing the differences. They did say they felt much more at home in Branson. (laughs) I'll tell you why. In my opinion, being in Normandy reminds me of being in Mississippi. It's a farm community, farm people, just a very simple kind of life, and the people are just very down-to-earth. And Flo and Danny, I think, really related to them. So that was Florida. It was amazing. Thank you to the DAR and to Karen Carbonaro for that experience. Then they flew home on November 16th, and I flew out of town on November 19th and flew to California. I began in Southern California with my friend Sarah Coolius, where I stayed and spent some time getting my mind around kind of what had just happened and resting. 
And then she drove me to feel in California, which is in the high desert, which I never even understand what stood what that meant. <laughs> but it is two worlds apart from San Juan Capistrano in L.A. to Phelan. And there's only like an hour, hour and a half between all of those places. But people in, you know, San Juan Capistrano or in L.A. never go to the high desert (laughs) and vice versa because it's an hour and a half. Well, I thought, that's silly. I go to Milwaukee all the time for auditions or this or that. It's two hours. I learned the difference in L.A., the traffic. I thought the traffic was bad in Chicago. I know nothing of traffic. I now know L.A. is just I feel so bad for you. And I also know that when you are driving from the beach to the high desert, you feel like you've tr- gone into a whole nother world. And so it makes the distance and the time seem a lot longer, mm. like you don't want to do it. So when I got to Phelan, I was hosted there by Todd Anton, who's a history professor at the Heritage School. It's a middle school. Todd Anton's father landed on Omaha Beach, and he had gone there to honor his dad and spread his ashes there. Wow. And that summer, he also decided one day to come and visit a church in the St. Marie Dumont Square, which is the church where Danny got married and was living in that town. At that moment, he decided to visit the church. I was recording on the inside of the church, and we were recording this little girl singing, and Jeff Kurtnacker, our composer, had flown in just for a few days to play this organ in the St. Marie de Mont Church. So we were trying to record this, and people kept trying to walk in to see the church. So I went outside to, like, hold the door closed, and I go to the door, and usually every reenact you see is French. So I open the door, and there's this, like, 10-foot-tall... <laughs> reenactor dressed in American GI uniform and he really is like almost seven feet tall so for me that's ten feet and I said bonjour and he said hey how you doing and I was like oh my gosh you're an American he said yeah name's Todd and so we met and in five minutes I learned we had so much in common he um, he was actually Susan Anton's little brother and by the way her name is Anton so I didn't know this but the media got, got that wrong it's uh, Todd Anton and he was a history teacher at Heritage School in Phelan, California. He was on the board of the World War II Museum. He's written several um, books, uh, World War II and, and base, Baseball and the War, uh, No Greater Love, I think. He's written a book about uh, football and the war. Cool books, so oh. look those up. And I don't remember the titles, Jason. Maybe you can find the titles while I'm talking. But uh, Todd Anton, or Anton as he really is called. And literally, I may have talked to him for five minutes. But when I got back, we began talking by email. I asked him to be our historical advisor on the film. He helped me get an, an uh, audition or an entrance into the World War II Museum where I went and had a meeting with them to see if they could support us. And then he invited me to come and do this screening. So he had worked with the Kiwanis organization to bring me there. This Kiwanis organization was started by a beautiful woman named Karen 24 years ago. Well, Todd and Karen kind of came together. She started the Kiwanis. He was in the high school. And they wanted to do a dinner for veterans, a dinner they've now been doing for 25 years, where the middle school students serve the veterans – and put on a program for them. And his heart was to get these two groups of people talking together so that the high school students would learn more about 
the price of their freedom and who gave them their freedom. That has This year, they had over 1,500 veterans that came to this dinner. It's now expanded. And he partnered with this Kiwanis Club that puts on the dinner to bring the movie here. They put on a whole program. I really had to do nothing for this but show up and bring the film. It was at the Serrano High School, which was a performing arts center there. And we sold – they sold – they sold, like, suggested donation tickets mm. to – the tune of, I think, about almost $2,000. We had about 250 people there from the L.A. area all the way to the high desert area. Many veterans and, you know, Kiwanis Club members. The Kiwanis Club, for people that don't know, is a community-focused organization that focuses on the needs of the community, particularly where children are involved. And they try to um, start a key club in the high school. And also in the middle school, they're called the, the Builders, I think, or the Building Club. Incredible organization. What I was so blown away with in feeling is that I felt like I was preaching to the crowd. They already, just like in Branson, are in this little tiny community doing what I'm hoping people will learn from our film. They are honoring the veterans continually throughout the year and telling their stories and telling the history and and caring about the subject matter and making sure that they pass these things down generation to generation. They also involved they involved the the high school, the middle school, the Kiwanis Club, the VFW, the uh, one other one other organization. Oh, and a church, a church, the Methodist Church there, and they were just so amazing to me. The Fords, Diana and Walter Ford, put me up in their little house. I had my own little guest cottage. That was <laughs> it was amazing. In this beautiful section called Pinion Hills, which just, I had a sunset and a sunrise on either side of my room. They drove me to and from everywhere, didn't have to rent a car. (laughs) Then they took me to church on Sunday morning and asked me to sing in the choir. (laughs) And with the cold that I had, I still sang in the choir. They prayed for me. They prayed for our film. Um, They prayed for the French people. It was so precious. Uh, I was just really blown away, and I really hope that people will get catch this vision of what this community is doing and begin to. um, And there are communities all over the United States that do do this. I just would love for there to be more. And they, I think that we we came away from feeling California with about three thousand dollars. We sold merchandise. This was really neat. Todd had a student 25 years ago. He would play 40s music, particularly that his parents fell in love with and danced to. Mm. One of the students in his middle school class got inspired by that music. Her name is Brittany. She became and is now the Lindy Hop champion of the world, wow. all because of <laughs> all because of the music that he played. And she came with her partner and did two dances for us before we started. Wow. I, it, was an, it was incredible. He had the choir of the high school sing the Marseillais and the Star Spangled Banner, and he had the ROTC post the colors. Wow. It, was a, it was an amazing day. 
And then Katie Lee, who is the voice of Connie from Adventures in Odyssey and also like My Little Pony and Blob <laughs> Gonzo of, like, and Muppet n- Babies. No, no, Rolf of the Muppet Babies oh, and well. <laughs> Rolf and Richie Rich and My Little Pony. She came because she's a good friend of mine and saw the book that we, have, Peggy Sue Wells and I have written and decided to narrate it. So that was exciting because now we're going to have an audio book and wow. – then from there, Todd is good friends with an executive at 20th Century Fox. And he connected me to this executive. I had a phone call with him on Monday morning, which was incredibly helpful. And we're, he's going to watch the film and get back to me. So I, and there were several other people in that audience who came to help me. Also, Joanne <laughs> Steinmeier, my cousin, came who I have, I mean, she told me I met her once. I don't even remember her, sadly, <laughs> but um, I do now because she came all the way from LA to see the screening. That was amazing. Wow. So it was, uh, every screening is so incredibly memorable and really blows my mind. That wasn't even the last one. I forgot to tell you about. In between the villages and feeling, we had one in St. Charles, Illinois. I was there. Yeah, you were there. Yeah, I don't know what I would have done without you. We were there. We had reenactors everywhere. We had um, the Band of Brothers actor, Renee Moreno. We had, uh, who else did we? World War, we had four World War II veterans. And we had Dr. Belzikian, who was a French survivor of the oh, occupation. Right. He, was, he lived in Paris until he decided he was in danger. So they went to Normandy to be safe. <laughs> of course. So he was there when Norm, when the people landed uh, on the beaches, and I had never met him before. And so there he was telling his story alongside of Walter Nogalich, who was a World War II 90th Infantry Division soldier who landed on Utah Beach, whose daughter, by the way, happened to be the admirable, I don't know what her name is. She's on Star Trek The Next Generation. She's on Star Trek The Next Generation. She's on Chicago Med. Yeah, yeah, she's a famous actress. She's Walter Nogalich's daughter, so she introduced her. I mean, it was just, it blew me away. So I think at that screening, we made about $4,000. So... In the end, after all of those screenings, when we've done our bookkeeping with stuff we've sold, things people have donated, and the suggested donations from reservations, we have cleared about 15000 Oh, wow. So that's good. Yeah. A and a little short of our goal of 100000 <laughs> So <laughs> there's more work helps. ahead. It's yes. a good start. It is a good start. Good start. But and, and then look at all these stories I have. We're, we've got so many um, stories from the road that we still have yet to tell. They're in our blog section. We've tried to write them as we go along. So people definitely should read our blog. We are still looking for volunteers. No kidding. I need some social media volunteers so bad and admin volunteers. Um, and we are – we're, you know, got a couple more ske- screenings coming up. Actually, on Friday, which I don't know that you people will hear, but on Friday, we're in McMinnville, Tennessee. On December 9th, we're in Memphis, Tennessee. I think that's it for the year. So so McMinnville, Tennessee and Memphis, Tennessee in December. January 12th, we're in Wheaton, Illinois at the library. You have to reserve at the library site. And then... January 30th or February 6th, we're in Arlington Heights at the CMX Theater, and that is going to be a big one because we've got the 
general counsel or the council general of France to the Midwest and maybe some of his team there. World War II veterans. We have two reenactors from France coming back. We have, I think I'm going to get Dr. Belzikian to come back because he was, I mean, wasn't he amazing? He was amazing. Gosh, his stories were great. So yes, we have all of these stories and connections and inspiration and energy for me Walking away from all of these screenings, I feel like we touched people in some pretty significant ways. We've gotten emails about it, text messages about it, calls about it. And yet, as we've listened to their stories, more stories, and had these kinds of interactions, we've been touched. And it encouraged me that what I'm doing is still bigger than just the film itself, is maybe even more valuable and very life and career affirming. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the best thing, the takeaway for me anyway from this episode is the connections. Uh, just the people that you never would have met had you not gone down this project, right. you know, this, this road to do this. So right. it's pretty exciting. Yeah, exactly. Very okay, great. well, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Documentary First. Well, can I no, just... No, before, you can't. But, but, just, We're over time. I know, I know. Just one thing, just one thing, just one thing. I just want to say one thing. I can't believe you interrupted my clothes. I'm so sorry, but I wanted to say this one thing. This, you know what my takeaway is? My takeaway is I would be tempted to say, I wish I had all the money up front and I didn't have to do all this fundraising. Retrospectively, I've become incredibly happy that that was not the case. And so this is the lesson for any filmmakers out there. I have learned, grown, and now have a community that we've built precisely because it's a grassroots effort and I didn't have all the money up front. Mm-hmm. And so I see, I've stopped seeing it as a challenge. It's, it's not a challenge. It's the road and it's the process. And that is a good thing. So I'm not worried about when the finances come. I truly believe they will come when they are, when it's time. And until that time, I will continue connecting with people one group at a time and praying that God will provide the finances because he's provided everything I've needed so far. It's the journey, not the destination. Correct. Okay. So now you can Can finish. I do it? Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell, and you can be the one to tell it. You sure can. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we really would appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about the girl who wore freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email, and sign up for our newsletter at Normandy Store. Please go to normandystories.com slash donate to make a donation today.